when doing a mitzvah and keeping the halakha conflicts with personal safety, what do we do? What is the choice? How do we resolve that kind of conflict? And that's something we've experienced in the in the pandemic recently. Uh, this is the subject of the piece of Gemara we're going to learn on Daf Yud Aleph Amud Aleph, where the Gemara discusses that there are certain situations where we don't put a mezuzah in a public place because it could be dangerous, it could attract attention of anti-Semitic authorities, and, and that could be negative. And the Gemara brings a brisa that says, in fact, although we check mezuzahs twice in, in seven years, if the mezuzah is in a public place, you only check it twice in 50 years, not twice in seven years. And the Gemara then asks, but haven't we learned that shluchim mitzvah enan izokin, that while you're doing a mitzvah, you're not subject to risk, you're not, no harm is going to come to you while you're doing a mitzvah, explains the, the Gemara, hecha de kaviyah hezek shani. That's only, you don't have to worry about some unpredictable, some unexpected danger while you're doing a mitzvah. But if you can perceive the danger, if the danger is clearly there all the time, then shiny it is different and you do have to worry about it uh, and, and have to be careful. As we learned in the case of Shmuel, Shmuel, the prophet Shmuel was told by Hashem to go and anoint King David. Shmuel is resistant at first and says that would be undermining the throne of Shaul, who was the de, de facto king of, at the time, and Shaul would be fully within his rights to have me killed. Uh, and Hashem says, yes, you've got a point, and therefore take a calf with you, and if you are caught by Shaul's police, you'll say that you are going to sacrifice the, the calf. You don't have to mention anything about going to anoint King David. Um, that's, the, that's the piece of Gomorrah. Rashi explains this law that you only have to um, check the mezuzah twice in 50 years rather than twice in seven years. Uh, because you, when you um, require the public to do something, don't give them too much to do because everybody's going to push it on to somebody else. Nobody's going to take responsibility. If you give an individual a specific task, then they'll do that, that specific task. But if you give the whole town, you give a public group, you give a committee uh, a lot of work to do, everybody pulls out of it and everybody leaves it to somebody else to do and it lands up not getting done. So an important management tip Rashi gives us here. And he says that's the reason that we don't require checking the mezuzah more than what, twice in 50 years. The Tosfot HaRosh asks and says, um, that doesn't make any sense, because if you read the Gemara, it's quite clear that the Gemara is bringing this as an example of how there are certain things you don't do if it brings you to harm or it brings you to risk. So to check the mezuzah too frequently in a public situation could cause anti-Semitic authorities to accuse you of doing something um, unsavory, performing some kind of witchcraft, as in fact happened in Sipori, when a, a particularly um, a particular sofa went and checked the mezuzah uh, in the public place, and the police caught hold of him and fined him a thousand zoos. That was an enormous amount of money at the time, so you see, we're careful about that. Ask the Tosfot HaRosh. The Rosh was the, as, as we've mentioned many times, the Talmud of, of the Maharam Rottenberg, raised and, and learnt in Germany, and then went and, and lived after a lot of anti-Semitism in, in Western Europe, went to live in Spain, uh, where he was uh, received very honorably by the school of the Rashbo and others. And uh, from there, he established the foundations of the halakha that we have until this day. Um, the Rosh questions Rashi and says, why are you explaining the, the, the reason for a twice-in-50-year check in a public place as to do with management technique and not giving people too many tasks to do and too much responsibility. It's clear from the Gemara that the reason is because it puts you at risk. 
Um, and therefore, the Tosfos Arosh says that's the reason. Uh, the reason that you only have to check it twice in 50 years is not to, not to attract too much attention to this public mezuzah so that you're not accused of doing something uh, untoward. The um, Meiri takes it differently. The Meiri is the same period as the Rosh, 13th century. The Meiri is from south of France. Um, and his work was only discovered uh, in its full form in the early 20th century. Until then, we knew of the Meiri through his quotations in the compendium of the Shittamukubetzet. But we didn't actually have his manuscripts. It was only in the early 20th century that his manuscripts, a, a, a magnificently written perush on the whole of Shas, was discovered and that we have today. Um, and the Meiri has a very different approach here, which leads to an, an, an enormous kiddush, a great innovation in Alakha. The Meiri says, If there's a situation where putting a mezuzah could cause risk, danger, uh, whether it's a mezuzah on the outside of your private door or it's a mezuzah in public, if there's an anti-Semitic environment that could challenge, that could threaten your safety because of the mezuzah, patur, then you're actually free from doing the mitzvah. And he explains that. Because even though it says, Shluchei mitzvah in Izokin, even though we've learned that while you're doing a mitzvah, you're not going to be damaged, Heched Shechei he quotes our Gemara and says, that does not apply when the danger is obvious and clear and there all the time. Uh, in a non-anti-Semitic environment, you don't have to worry that maybe one particular anti-Semite will come by and will do you harm. But in a place where it's constantly happening and you're exposed to it all the time, there you do have to be concerned. And then the Meiri adds the most amazing thing, and he says, Because Hashem doesn't want you to put yourself in danger and rely on a miracle in order to fulfill a mitzvah. The fact that he uses those words, Hashem doesn't want you, means in those situations, it isn't a mitzvah. You're not being a hero. To, to do a mitzvah in a situation of risk is not an act of heroism. It's an act of stupidity because there is no mitzvah. It isn't a mitzvah to do that in a situation of risk, which explains, I think it was the Maharam Rottenberg who wrote that when he got to Europe, he found there were many things that the community had become lax on. They had not had a lot of contact with the evolution of halakha in uh, in Babylon and in Eretz Israel, and their communities, which were there from the time of the destruction of the Second Temple, had developed their own practices and had dropped a lot of practices, including the fact that they weren't using mezuzot, uh, which always troubled me. How did that happen? We see today that even people who have so little connection with, with Judaism still put a mezuzah on their door. And yet the Maharam Rutenberg says when he got to Egypt, they, to, to Europe, they weren't even doing that. But we see from them eerie, possibly why not? In situations where it was dangerous to put a mezuzah, it's very possible that they relied on the Meiri's psak and they didn't, uh, and others obviously before the Meiri, uh, and they didn't put a mezuzah in such a situation. So we have two different views, the Rosh and the Meiri. The Rosh holds you do have to put a mezuzah. This is a law of the Torah and you have to put a mezuzah on. When it comes to checking it, you don't have to draw attention to the mezuzah. You can do it in a quiet way, and you don't need to draw the attention. And even though midrabonin, there's a requirement that you check the mezuzah from time to time, if it's in a public area, you can do that much less frequently so as not to draw attention to it. But the Meiri says this is not just about the laws of the Darabonin, about rabbinic laws, but even Doraisa, even laws of the Torah. If they're going to cause risk, if they're going to bring you into situations of risk, uh, you, do, you don't have, not only don't you have to do that mitzvah, but it isn't a mitzvah at all to do so. And that could be how, what Rashi is telling us. So Rashi is saying, if the fear was 
um, if the fear of checking more than twice in 50 years is that you may be at risk, then Rashi, like the Me'iri, would say, but then you don't put a mezuzah at all. What does this mean? You put a mezuzah and you check it twice, twice in 50 years. Why do you check it at all? In fact, why is there a mezuzah there if it's risky, if it's potentially harmful? And to that, Rashi explains, no, if it's really harmful, you don't put a mezuzah there at all. However, if it isn't harmful and you do put a mezuzah in a public place, you still only check it twice in 50 years so as not to put too much responsibility on the community of people uh, because this would cause it, them to ignore it and, and, and leave others to do it and the, and the checking wouldn't take place. So there are two different elements taking place and according to the Me'iri and the way we now understand Rashi. When there's physical danger, you don't do the mitzvah at all, they hold. Uh, when and, and as far as the checking is concerned, there's another issue. Don't ask people to do too much. Be careful in what you impose on large groups of people. According to the Rosh, it's different. According to the Rosh, you do put a mezuzah on, even where it's risky, but you do it in a quiet way. You don't attract uh, attention to it. This would also um, explain, in a way, um, something that Rashi says about the case of Shmuel. So Shmuel says to, to Hashem, um, I, I, I can't go because if, I, if I'm caught anointing David, I will be accused of treason and I will be killed. Um, and on that Eich Elech, how can I go? Rashi says in Al Gemara, Lim et David, how can I go to anoint David? And he adds, Al Pi Hadibur, by the word of God. Why does he add that? Surely all Rashi should say is Shmuel is asking Hashem, how can I go and anoint David? Uh, I'm going, this is going to be risky. I can't do that. Uh, but Alpia Dibur means clearly that isn't what you're asking me to do. Because based on the Me'iri, I know, says Shmuel, that you wouldn't ask me to do something that puts me at personal risk. So clearly I haven't understood your instruction. Clearly. How can I go and, as a mitzvah from Hashem, do something which is putting me at risk? That can't be the mitzvah. And Hashem says, no, you're right. So we're going to mitigate the risk. And by taking a calf to do a, to do a sacrifice, uh, you won't be accused of doing anything, anything, anything untoward towards Shaul. Um, and you'll be able to do what you need to do and to go and uh, anoint King David. Um, there's a different approach the Malbim takes, which is, which is really important too. And the Malbim says what was troubling Shmuel was not so much um, what will happen if I get caught. He knew that God had sent him on a mission and God would protect him. That wasn't the issue. Uh, but what he was concerned about is usually when God performs a miracle in, in the Tanakh, it's not just to protect an individual. It's to guarantee the success and to magnify the success of a mission. Uh, if he does a, a miracle for Moshe or for the Bnei Israel, it's to magnify the power of the mission. It's not just to save the individual. Yes, Hashem does many miracles for individuals all the time. But, but the miracles that we're talking about here are miracles for the mission. And Shmuel says, my mission is secret. Nobody will know about this. So if you do a miracle for me, it's not a miracle for the mission. If you do a miracle for me, it will be for my personal safety. And if it's for my personal safety, then I have to, so to say, pay for it with my merit. And I don't want to be responsible to, to, to have to pay with my own merit for a miracle that you're going to perform. Uh, and Hashem accepts that and says, so we'll do it in a way where there isn't a miracle and where you can legitimately say to, to uh, Shaul, uh, you don't have to lie about it. I'm instructing you now to bring a sacrifice. And you can say to Shaul, I've been instructed by Hashem to bring a sacrifice. So you won't mention anything about the, the rest of your mission. You'll tell him what your one mission is, which is to, is to bring a sacrifice. And this idea that, that Hashem um, protects us far more um, intensely when we're doing something 
for a higher purpose than he does just for our personal safety. Yes, we can pray to Hashem for protection for our personal safety, and Hashem takes care of us. But it's very different when our lives are dedicated to a higher purpose. Um, there Hashem's protection is is much more intense. Uh, in Tehillim Per um, David HaMelech, who's praying for forgiveness for this terrible sin that he did, says, Leman shimcha Hashem, my sin is incredibly great and I don't have the personal merits for forgiveness. It would be so great for your name for people to see King David is successful and is being protected um, and has been forgiven. So, so do it, Laman Shimcha. And, and I was asked recently about how to protect oneself from, from Ayin Hara. If a person is successful and is attracting attention and one doesn't want to attract Ayin Hara, the way to protect oneself from Ayin Hara is not by wearing a red band around one's wrist. The way to protect oneself from Ayin Hara is to make sure that the success one is achieving is being utilized for something higher than just one's own personal comfort and the comfort of one's family. That one is doing something for the world with one's success. One is doing something in the service of Hashem. One is doing something in higher purpose. Because when that happens, Hashem, so to say, as if finds it easier to protect us without taking off and without making sure that we deserve to be saved. Because the reason that He's saving us is the higher purpose. It's not just our own self-merits that, that, uh, that justify that. And so we see, yes, that there, there are situations where halakha is in conflict with personal safety. Um, according to the Me'iri and according to Rashi, the way we've learned personal safety always comes first. There isn't a mitzvah that requires us to do that, other than the mitzvahs for which the three mitzvahs for which we have to give our lives. But other than that, um, our personal safety comes first. And it's not just that then we don't have to do the mitzvah. It's in that those situations, there isn't a mitzvah at all. Hashem doesn't want us to put ourselves in, in at risk. Uh, in addition, we have the principle of the Me'iri, uh, of the of the Malbim, that when a person has, is doing something for a higher purpose, he automatically attracts higher levels of protection and security from Hashem than when he's in, in, engaged and indulged only uh, in his own self-interest.